Cup World. It's your past first point guard and Trailblazers reporter, Mike Richmond. Listen to another episode of Locked on Blazers, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts and also on YouTube. If you haven't subscribed to the YouTube channel, go ahead and do it. Thanks for making Locked on Blazers your first listen every day. It's free on all platforms, five days a week, coming at you every single weekday. Make it part of your daily routine. Listen, make it your first listen every single day. In today's show... Josh Hart makes his Trail Blazers debut and the Blazers beat the Knicks in a fun game where the Blazers came back from down 23. I want to talk about that. I want to give some scenes from the deadline. It was a weird week in Blazerland, a weird 10 days in Blazerland. I want to give you some scenes from those, what it was like to be in a, in a franchise going uh, undergoing a massive overhaul. And then we'll close the show. Talking about Joe Ingles, who is the is a key part of the Blazers offseason. Absolutely very important part of the Blazers offseason. We'll talk about why Joe Ingles, he of the ACL tear at 34 years old and likely to never play for this team, is extremely important. First, let's do what we do. Fastest recap of the West. Blazers beat the Knicks in a Saturday matinee, 112-103. This game was pretty close. Blazers jumped out to a big lead, but uh, the Knicks came back and led by five at the break, and then a huge, huge third quarter for the Knicks, where they scored 39 points, led by as many as 23, and we're up 15, heading into the fourth. But then the Blazers came back. They put their veteran squad on the floor, or what makes what 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 looks like a veteran squad for this version of the Blazers, and they charged home, outscoring the Knicks 35-11 in the fourth quarter. They finally took the lead back when Justice Winslow fed Yusuf Nurkic under the rim for a dunk with four minutes and 23 seconds left. Then when the Knicks responded, Anthony Simons gave the Blazers the lead for good with a three from the left wing with three minutes and nine seconds remaining, and the Blazers held on in the final three minutes, including an incredibly important sequence. Up five with a minute 10 left. Blazers get the ball coming out of a timeout. Josh Hart misses a tough floater. Newcomer Justice Winslow keeps the rebound alive, slaps it back out so the Blazers have another chance, a massive offensive rebound. After another miss, Winslow again fights to keep the rebound alive, but this one is secured by Yusuf Nurkic, who feeds it to Justice Winslow, makes a layup, and one! And the Blazers secure the game 112-103. That's your fastest recap in the West. Josh Hart in his Portland debut, 23 points, two dimes, 7 of 12 from the floor, hit 6 of 8 free throws. Amphrey Simons, 10 of his 30 in the fourth quarter to help send this one home. He was really good again. Another game where an ant started slow and then closed incredibly strong. The Blazers win. He did it in the win over the Lakers. Did it again over the Knicks. He finished with 30 points, 8 boards, 5 assists, and just 2 turnovers in 37 minutes. Yusuf Nurkic added 12 points and 20 rebounds. First box score I had, had him at 18 rebounds. He got 2 rebounds by the time I walked from press row to got to the um, the media room. 12 points, 20 boards for Yusuf Nurkic. Justice Winslow doing what he does. 14 points, 5 boards, 6 Six assists, one steal, one block. He was great. 17 off the bench for Ben McLemore. He hit three threes. Uh, Benny Max scores 17. The Blazers do pretty well. On the other side, Julius Randle, 28 points, 16 rebounds, and six dimes for the New York Knicks. Apologies to listener Jamar, who doesn't like when I say dimes, but uh, too late. Uh, Randle, 8 of 20, though, struggled a little bit with his shot. Uh, Kemba Walker, 23 points, had 17 early in the third quarter, kind of went quiet late. Quentin Grimes, 20 points for the Knicks. Huge as they pulled away, hitting five threes. Didn't get it done down the stretch. Uh, Knicks got some but minimal contributions off their bench. Taj Gibson and Alex Burks. Alec Burks each had eight points. This one was about the newcomers for me. Anthony Simons is, is really good, really good, and can um, and and 
is going to be, you know, it can be a, a central figure of a, of a good offensive team and, and, and on a team with that needs a lot of help. He can be the guy and he proved that he can be the guy again. He was really, really good. Uh, but who I want to talk about is Josh Hart and justice Winslow. Um, you know, it's like Nurk had 20 boards and Ant had 30 points. <laughs> We're not going to spend a lot of time talking about them, but I want to recognize that they had really good games. I, this was Josh Hart's debut finished seven of 12, uh, I think kind of showed all of what makes him special. Let's talk a little about what, what makes him special. So he had 10 points in the opening nine minutes, hit the first three of the game, and then and then hit another three right after that, and then missed a third three where he was wide open at the top of the key. Uh, you know, he was in, in his first nine minutes of action. He was two of four from the floor. He had two of three from three, and the other one he missed was, um, was a pretty easy one. He missed a tough runner for his other one. But... And he had already been in the free throw line four times, or for two separate trips, but four, taking four free throws. Like, first shift already just putting pressure on the rim, showing you what he could do. And then when he comes back in his second shift, Dennis Smith Jr. did not play in this game. So Josh Hart was the Blazers' backup point guard. He, you know, started at the two, uh, the Blazers, or started at, yeah, the two. Blazers started Simons, Hart, C.J. Elby, Justice Winslow, and Yusuf Nurkic, and then closed the game with uh, Elby out and Ben McLemore in there as veteran group, as I alluded to. Uh these are not these are not the baby blazers. These are young vets, uh, and they they be, they came back from twenty three down to beat the Knicks, led by twenty three in the third quarter with those young vets. But um, Hart, you know, playing backup point guard, and then late in the game showed his off the ball ability. Like he uh, he had one play in the fourth quarter where he against the Knicks defense worked the baseline, and as soon as that pick and roll went to put two on the ball to uh, Tamfrey Simons, and he kicked to Nurk in that little pocket pass. Hart just instinctively moved in from the corner and got an easy dunk because he just, he reads the game off the ball. Well, he drew a charge in the fourth quarter. Um, he was, he was, you know, showed his, showed his shooting ability, showed his passing ability, had a couple of, of the uh, thing that Chauncey Billups is really excited about is that he grab and grab and go off the rim, grabs a rebound or they kick it out to him quickly and just pushes in transition. Um, I think the biggest number for me in this game was eight. That's the number of free throw attempts that Josh Hart took. That's incredibly valuable. A downhill guy, an aggressive guy replaces a lot of what Norman Powell uh, brought to the floor along with um, playmaking that Norm didn't really bring. So, Hart looked really good. Justice Winslow was straight up fantastic in this game. Uh, defended Julius Randle, and the Blazers had a little bit of trouble sending Julius Randle the foul line a bunch. He took 13 free throws in this game. But once they kind of figured it out and stopped putting their hand in the cookie jar and getting ripped through fouls, uh, I thought Winslow guarded uh, guarded Julius Randle really well. They kept trying to force switches uh, to get Ant on him, and Winslow fought through the switches or scrammed back to get on Randle when they when they did earn the switch but couldn't feed him. Uh, it was he played really well. He had two crucial offensive rebounds uh, late in this game. Finished, uh, like I said, 14, five, and six assists. Showed his passing ability. Um, didn't play straight up point guard, but just as a, as someone who just reads reads the game really well um, and and defends hard like. The shot is gross. He missed one left wing three that was just like should not have shot it. And the one he made, look, it just doesn't look good coming out of his hand. But all of the other stuff Winslow does is really, he's just, he's really helpful. Um, if he's, I don't think you want him starting, but if he comes off the bench, this is, I'll say this. When Justice Winslow came into the league, and I've said this a bunch in this podcast, I was excited about him because of his mix of defense and playmaking. If that's all he's asked to do with the Blazers going forward, he could be helpful. Um, his offense has kind of escaped him. It wasn't there in Memphis and wasn't there with the Clippers. I don't know that it comes back, uh, but if 
if he can do the other things that he does well, the his passing instincts and his just like defensive toughness. He's strong as hell. He plays hard. Um, th those things are like really valuable as a role player. Uh, a couple more thoughts on Josh Hart is a lot of times we get caught up in what a guy could be if he was the man. Um, but not everyone is going to be the man. Not everyone is going to be the guy, the star, the lead, the lead person. Like it's like, oh, well he can't, you know, he can't really run pick and rolls or if he's, if, you know, defenses are going to do this to them. I thought Josh Hart's showed you his ability to morph between all the types of role players you want to be. Um, you know, this wasn't like some elite defensive game from Hart by any means. And, uh, and I thought a couple times he got out of control, um, you know, took some harder shots than he maybe needed to be because he's such a downhill, such an aggressive guy uh, and still kind of figuring out where he's going to get his shots from. But uh, on the ball as the second unit guy is as like a lead playmaker, that, that, that's valuable. But where he's mostly going to to be a, a threat on this team moving forward is as that complementary part. And I thought the the way he worked off the ball, the way when Ant got going that Josh Hart was still cutting and being smart and like, you know, they ran a million high pick and rolls for Ant to get back in this game. That's just what they leaned on. Um, kind of looks like what they're going to lean on when Damon, Damon Lord's healthy and, and Josh Hart didn't go anywhere. Like he was still valuable. He still made plays. He still, he still fills in the cracks. Um, being able to scale to role player is what you want. You don't want a guy who can only be good with the ball in his hands because if you're building this roster, they got it. you have need to have players who are complementary parts without the ball in their hands. I thought Nurk's 20 rebounds and the way Winslow played and the way Hart played, he said, okay, this group makes sense around two ball-dominant guards and Anthony Simons and uh, Damon Lord. I am... This is not a finished product by any means for the Trailblazers, but like I think Hart in his debut and I think Winslow in his debut or in his first couple games against the Lakers, uh, then against the Knicks, like you've you you kind of get it, right? Like you you can see it. Um, I guess Winslow also played against the Magic and the Blazers lost to the worst team in the NBA, but like the wins and losses don't matter as much as sort of like what what you're seeing right in front of you, and I think what you've seen right in front of you from those two new guys is really promising, really 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 promising. What I want to talk about in the second segment is Josh Hart knew he was getting traded here. And CJ McCollum knew he was getting traded to New Orleans, but that is not typically the case. I want to give you some scenes from a weird week in Blazer land where they sent out you know, five rotation players and retooled the roster for the future and what that in-between period looks like and feels like in the locker room, on the team, et cetera, et cetera. That's what we'll do in the second segment. But first, let's talk about Bilt Bar, the best tasting protein bar in the market. Typical Bilt Bar's got 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and 4 grams of net carbs. Whatever you're looking for, that's 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 going to pack a punch without giving you too many calories and too much sugar. So if you're me, you're grabbing cookies and cream, you're grabbing peanut butter brownie, but they've also got coconut almond, salted caramel, double chocolate, they've got mint brownie as well if that's more your speed. Whatever you're looking for, you're going to find something that meets your palate. And they're all going to be tasty, all going to be healthy, packing that punch like I just told you. So go to built.com, get yourself a punch, a delicious one at that. Use the promo code LOCKED15 while you're there for 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. All right. So we talked about the Blazers winning over the Knicks, 112-103. Legitimately a fun game. Uh, you know, they're supposed to lose, and I think they'll take care of that. Let's not worry about it. As I, I'm recording this on a Sunday morning, uh, this is Monday, February 14th show. Happy Valentine's Day to those who celebrate or even care. <laughs> uh, you're all my Valentines. Thanks for listening. But uh, 
uh, as I sit here today on Sunday, and it'll be true when you wake up on Monday as well, depending on when you're listening to this, the Blazers are in 10th place. They're back in the playing round, baby, because the Pelicans have lost twice since adding CJ McCollum, and the Kings have not made their climb back there yet. In fact, the Kings are still behind uh, the Pels and the Spurs as I record this. So the Blazers are not where they want to be, uh, but I think the losses will take care of themselves. So don't worry, dear tank commanders. You can be okay with them winning some games against the Knicks and the Lakers. Those are fun games. Have a little fun. Have a little joy. Um, if they start winning too many, <laughs> we, we can talk about it, but um, we or we can get worried about it and we'll call for like, you know, put Greg Brown, Elijah Hughes in the game to close the games. But I think for now, like just enjoy the wins that were fun. This was a fun game. The Blazers, This was like a fun and enjoyable game. You, you need a handful of these. The schedule's getting a lot tougher heading into the All-Star break and coming right out of it. Their next 10 are pretty hard games. They could easily go two and eight in that stretch. We won't have to worry about too many losses if they if they go two and eight over their next ten. What I want to talk about here in the second segment, though, is not uh, the Blazers screwing up the tank because I don't I don't think they're there yet. But I hear you. Uh, I want to talk about the scenes from trade from the trade deadline week. Uh, what I want you to do, and I'm going to put this uh, article in the episode description for this episode, is CJ McCollum wrote just a wonderful piece on the Players' Tribune about his nine years in Portland and about how when you are anywhere for nine years, that it's not just a team and a jersey, that it becomes part of you. It becomes, he used said part of your soul, but it becomes part of your person. Like, it becomes part of your identity. Uh, you know, even outside of sports, like if you just work a job for a long enough time, it becomes a big it's a big part of your chapters of your life. Uh, and CJ McCollum talked about sort of moving on from that and the things that he'll miss from that. You got to read the story. It's like not to out anyone in my house, but maybe there were maybe provoked some tears from readers of this story. It was that it was just really, really well done. CJ did a fantastic job. Uh, but talking about not, you know, the wins and losses, CJ McCollum didn't mention the 2019, uh, Western Conference Finals run. I mean, vaguely, but like he talked about the people. He'll miss the people. But he also talked about this. He had a moment when the day that the trade came up, a couple of days before the trade deadline, Tuesday morning, when he got the call from his agent and he, before the news broke on Twitter and social media and the world, he knew he was going to be traded. And he had a moment, a quiet moment with his uh, not yet one month old son and his wife uh, and had to, you know, just sat there and had breakfast, had a cup of coffee and said, okay, our lives are going to change. Our lives are, we knew this was coming and here we go. And the knew it was coming part is unique. CJ McCollum said that he had some input on where he went in the, uh, in the, his, in his trade. Uh, the boys were going to trade him. They were going to, well, they wanted to get a certain package and they wanted to, they wanted to do right by CJ, send him to a good basketball place. They wanted all the parties involved after, you know, nearly a decade with the franchise and wanted to send CJ to a spot he wanted to be. They didn't want to send him, they didn't want to send him to exile in favor of the best package. They might've still got the best package and sent CJ to a pretty good basketball spot. Uh, Josh Hart and potentially a first round pick is probably a good haul for CJ at his age, but CJ knew it was coming. He talked to the Blazers. He had, I mean, I don't think legally he could talk to the Pelicans, but I'm sure his people, his agency communicated in some way with the Pelicans like they were set up. And Josh Hart echoed the same thing. He said that he knew 
his, his he repped his Aaron Mintz of CAA uh, and and David Griffin at, in at the Pelicans. He knew he was going to be traded to Portland, so he wasn't surprised when it came up. He was prepared. He didn't have the anxiety of the deadline that's held that's hung over him in the past, like when he was with the Lakers and it was like, are we going to get are we going to get traded? Are they finally bullying us out of here to get Anthony Davis? He didn't have that. He didn't have to wake up and refresh social media to see if ESPN or the Athletic had you know breathlessly reported that his life was going to change while just. Uh, sending out salary cap calculations. Talked about how nice it was to have that open communication and know it was going to happen. But that is rare. It is very rare. Read CJ's piece. It's great. But I think Josh Hart and CJ, they had the rare experience of knowing not only that a trade was coming, but where they were going. Like Hart, I asked him, like, did you know you were coming to Portland? He said, yeah, I did. Like days before the deadline, it was clear that this was going to happen and they communicated it to me that it was going to happen. So it didn't catch him by surprise. Like he had, he had peace knowing that his life was going to change, but that doesn't always, that doesn't always happen. Typically guys get traded while they're asleep because <laughs> taking a classic NBA midday nap, wake up and find out they're on a new team. In fact, Nikhil Alexander Walker, who was in that same trade with the New Orleans Pelicans found out he was, uh, found out he was getting traded while he was taking a pregame nap, woke up, Flew to Portland the next day or the next the next morning. You know they went to the the Pelicans game that night. They weren't on the team. Um, they'd already been traded or whatever. Then they the next day they flew to Portland. So Friday morning they fly to Portland. When Nikhil Alexander Walker arrives in Portland, he finds out he's actually while he's been in the air, his rights have been traded to the Utah Jazz, and he gets on another plane and heads to Salt Lake City. Plays for the Jazz the next night. That's the typical experience. It's. It's daunting to have, uh, you know, your life and your job change so quickly because teams need to maneuver and all that. But I think beyond that, like that's kind of obvious. But there was a scene that Anthony Simons relayed to me that I think really kind of illustrates the bizarreness and strangeness of trade week. The Blazers made a trade last Friday. Uh, it's about 10 days ago now as you're listening to this. When they sent Norman Powell and Robert Covington to the Clippers in exchange for Justice Winslow and Eric Bledsoe uh, and Keon Johnson. And what Anthony Simons, I asked him, is it weird? Like, what's the vibe around the team? Kind of just to get a sense of how strange it is. He says it is weird. And the weirdest thing was when he gets to the Moda Center and the nameplates are off the lockers already when they get there. And CJ McCollum talked about this. We went into the, to the, uh, he, he went into the practice facility, signed some jerseys for all his teammates and the people who work at the PF, you know, give them signed CJ McCollum jerseys as a thank you. And his nameplate was already off the locker and his clothes were already folded. And the, you know, Blazers equipment staff doesn't, doesn't play around, but that scene plays out in other ways where sometimes for CJ, it's a really sweet moment. But for the way Anthony Simon's experience, it was kind of a sad moment. He comes to the locker room where they share, the locker room hasn't been open, but it's the far side of the locker room when you walk in. Um, and it's Damian Lord has the far corner on the end, closest to the showers. And then as you move down, Yusuf Nurkic has the other corner on the end. And there's about six stalls in between, but there was only two two full stalls when it, when Simon showed up. It was him and Nurk Kelgen Blevins, and or excuse me, three full stalls. Him, Nurk Kelgen Blevins, four empty stalls, and then Damian Lord, who hasn't been in the locker room. He said it was empty. It was strange and a little bit eerie. I asked Chauncey Billups prior to the deadline about sort of the anxiety around the team, and he admitted as someone who's been traded a couple times in his NBA career that it sucks. It sucks getting traded. It's hard because. You have to realize that this team is giving up on you and this and you don't know the situation it's going to be and you have to move in the middle. You have to move quickly and, and you kind of are it's totally out of your control and all those things. But he admitted that like just going into work 
the team was anxious. There was an anxiety around the team and there's not a lot he can do about it. He can say like, hey, don't focus on the game, but that doesn't that doesn't really mean much because you know that guys can only, you know, they can maybe focus on the game during those 48 minutes when the game's happening or two and a half hours of real time that it's happening. But like immediately after, immediately prior and the downtime in the locker room, like you're going to be, it's going to be in your head because it's there. Uh, I think the way the CJ trade, the end of an era, was a really sweet way it ended. But it often ends quickly and bizarrely, and then the the Blazers are totally rebuilt on the fly, and so many people change places. I think those scenes is that 6 a.m. at CJ McCollum's house, him and his wife having breakfast and realizing that they're 10 years of life, that, that chapter's done and you're moving on to the next. Or Josh Hart, who knows that like, oh... I'm the guy. They're making a trade and I'm the guy. They both get this sort of peaceful moment to reckon with it. But many others just, they just get, they're just gone. You just end up getting a private jet sent to you by Steve Ballmer and ending up a Clipper. And you could see how happy Norman Powell and Robert Covington were if you follow the Clippers on social media when they arrived in LA. They looked thrilled. But it is this strange world where your life changes so quickly. And I think, um, I just want to, I wanted to talk about these things just as a reminder of this, like it's humans moving cities and moving jobs. And it is a strange time. And I think this week um, was a really bizarre time as the Blazers, you know, who don't know who's going to play, don't know who's going to be here. Don't, you know, there's a lot of, there's just so much uncertainty, both about the present and the future of the franchise. And then they have two really fun games be the Knicks or be the Lakers in the Knicks. So they've, they've now, you know, things, slow down after the trade deadline, particularly for a team like the Blazers not, you know, chasing the playoffs or whatever. Um, although they're still in the play-in, baby. So now that things have slowed down, you kind of, you know, you can look ahead. And I want to look ahead because Joe Ingles, the player the Blazers traded for in uh, the deal that sent, that rerouted Nikhil Alexander-Walker after he landed in Portland, rerouted him to Salt Lake City. The Blazers acquired Joe Ingles. Joe Ingles. Joe Ingles is a big part of the Blazers' summer. An important part of the Blazers' summer. Let's talk about why in the third segment. But first, bet online. BetOnline.net is the fastest, easiest way to bet on all your sports action, whatever that action might be. If you uh, if you listen to this right when it comes out, the Super Bowl is about to happen. Listen, go ahead, get your bets in, go go go, go to BetOnline.net. But if you miss the Super Bowl, that's okay because they got action on basketball's regular season. They got action on the NHL's regular season. All of the Winter Olympic games that are still going on. Uh, you can bet on soccer. You can bet on tennis. You can bet on combat sports. Whatever it is, you'll find it at BetOnline.net. Like I said, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. More lines, more props, more odds than ever before on anything you could possibly want to gamble on. That's Bet Online, where the game starts. Still a pass first point guard. Still Mike Richmond. You're still listening to Locked on Blazers. Portland made a trade with the Utah Jazz. The three-team trade, including the Portland Trailblazers, San Antonio Spurs, and, and Utah Jazz. The Blazers sent Tomas Sadoransky, who they recently acquired from the New Orleans Pelicans, to the Spurs. They sent Nikhil Alexander-Walker to the Utah Jazz in exchange for Elijah Hughes, who played uh, 11 minutes against the Knicks. Hit a big hit a big three in the fourth quarter. Uh, important part of the comeback, baby! Go Q's! Um, but they also acquired a second round pick in that in that exchange. And it seems like here's what the Blazers got. They got off, they got out from under five million bucks from Nikhil Alexander Walker's money for next season, and they got this second round pick. That's just good cap maneuvering. If Nikhil Alexander Walker wasn't part of the future, you might as well get a little bit of more of that F word. That's flexibility. But then Joe Cronin mentioned specifically that the team valued Joe Ingles 
bird rights. Joe Ingles is on expiring contracts worth about $14 million this year. He will be an unrestricted free agent this summer. He's not going to sign here. He's not going to play for the Portland Trailblazers. And yet he, re he remains a very important piece. And many of you, several people, um, were like, what is the deal with the Joe Ingles thing? And I think when when Cronin said, we value his bird rights, people got worried, like, are they going to re-sign him? He's an unrestricted free agent. It's, it's Ingles' choice. Here's why it matters. Here's why Joe Ingles is important to the Trailblazers and why Joe Cronin was straight. I kind of joked in the last podcast that I didn't think Cronin was being honest. He's being honest. Uh, after kind of looking at the larger picture, here's why Joe Cronin and the Trailblazers value Joe Ingles. His bird rights are going to allow them to chase their dreams. The Portland Trailblazers have set themselves up with somewhere between, depending on what happens with Josh Hart and Yusuf Nurkic, somewhere between about let's say 15, it's like 17, but 15-ish and 35-ish million dollars in cap space, depending on what happens with Hark, with Hark, with Hart and Nurk. But they also, in the CJ McCollum trade, they received a, a $21 million traded player exception. It's actually 20.86 million if you're really setting up your spreadsheet at home, but let's call it $21 million for the sake of math. That $21 million trade exception allows you to absorb a player into that exception. So they got to be making under $21 million. You absorb a player into that exception and, and, that can be the exchange with the team. That's your salary matcher right there is the traded player exception. It can't be combined in trades. You can't um, you can't use it to uh, to partially absorb one and partially absorb another. It's basically a one for one. If a player fits into the trade exception, if a single player fits in the trade exception, you can make that trade. That's your salary matcher. So the Blazers got this deal from the, uh, they got this trade ex traded player exception from the TPE, from, from the Pelicans. Has some value. It has some value because 20 million bucks about the going rate for a starter in the NBA. And the Blazers have this cap space and they have this TPE, but they need to remain above the salary cap in, in order to use the traded player exception. And that's where Joe Ingles comes in. The Blazers are not going to use the cap space to sign a free agent. They're not going to, they're not going to be, they're just, the free agent class is not very good. And the Blazers are not a team because just very few markets in the league historically have signed big name free agents. The Blazers are, have never been one of them. It's not a Neil Olshay or Joe Cronin thing. It's literally the history of the franchise. Uh, it's just, it, it, that's not what they are. And the Blazers this summer, their plan to get better is a trade. And that traded player exception is their number one vehicle to get better. And Joe Ingles' money makes it happen because Joe Ingles' cap hold is about 20 million bucks. And if they keep Joe Ingles' cap hold on the books, they will remain over the salary cap. That's the value. This is a little nerdy, but this is the value of Joe, the Joe Ingles' trade. It's why Cronin was excited about the bird rights. They're... They, they don't, he, they're not going to sign him to a contract. They merely just keep his money on the books, operate as an over the cap team and try to use that traded player exception. Once you go under the salary cap, you're, you can't use that exception. Once you use the exception, you lose some of your over the cap, uh, other tools like your biannual bi exception, blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, we don't need to get into that, but the basics are they need to stay above the cap in order to use that traded player exception. Their traded player exception is probably their most valuable chip in getting back uh, a star. Cronin has said that they're going to hunt for uh, upgrades, hunt for, uh, you know, I, I believe big game was the, the, um, uh, was the analogy used by Jason Quick of the Athletic, but like star hunting. They're going to go try to get good players and they're going to try to get good players on the trade market, not free agency, the trade market. And the trade market this summer is going to involve that TPE, which is why they need to stay over the cap. And so Joe Ingles becomes 
an incredibly valuable part of the Blazers' future, not just a salary cap throw-in, not just an expiring contract, but a cap hold that allows a team it's going to be relatively inexpensive because they've cleared so much future space to keep him on the books and operate as an over-the-cap team. This is the cap geekery. This is the plan. This is why Ingles is so valuable. Now, I think rooting, there's there's a real cognitive dissonance or there's a real separation between what I talked about at the beginning of this uh, podcast being like, enjoy Josh Hart and Justice Winslow because they're fun and like diving into this, um, into the CBA at the end of the show. But this is the... <laughs> I guess part of it is just the versatility of the podcast, but like, I think you can do both if you're doing it right. Like you can appreciate the humans on this team. That's why I want to lead with the human elements and the fun of this team and the, and the strangeness of trade deadline week that pushes humans all around the, the country and, and makes them trade jobs, pretty, trade jobs in cities pretty quickly. But why that happens, why players get traded like contracts, because they are contracts, because of this cap geekery here we're closing with the show. Joe Ingles and his cap hold are incredibly important. The Blazers, if they're going to chase down, I mean, Jeremy Grant's maybe not my huckleberry, but if they're going to, tra- they try to trade for Jamie, Jeremy Grant at the trade deadline, if they try to do that again, or if, they tr- if they're headed for another trade, trying to make find someone who makes 20 million bucks or 21 million bucks next year, They've got this avenue to do it, and you have to have Ingles on the books to do it. He's incredibly important to the Blazers' summer. He allows them to do what they got to do. You can remain as an over-the-cap team. You can use the TPE. You can then, once you've used that trade player exception, you've you've lost some other exceptions, but you could still bring back Nurk because you'll have his bird rights. You could still bring back Josh Hart because it's a player option. You could still match and bring back Amphrey Simons because you have his bird rights, but Ingles allows you to do all of it. He unlocks it because he will allow the Blazers to pretend that their roster is expensive while it is not particularly expensive. That's the magic of the Ingles contract. That's your cap geekery for you, cap, cap nerddom for you. And why when someone says, what what the hell is going on with Joe Ingles? That's it. He's not going to be here. There's no contract coming for Ingles. Um, he, he wouldn't want to be here anyways. I've heard pretty plainly reported by ESPN that Ingles wants to go back to Utah Jazz, or if that doesn't work out, he's going to uh, Australia. But for a little bit, he will be valuable and he'll be valuable in his Blazers tenure for allowing Portland to do what they want to do, which is hunt roster upgrades via the trade market this summer hope that helps kind of paint the picture of what's going on that will help you explain to your friends when they're like what's the deal i hope you can um here's what you do you say i didn't really totally get it but if you listen to the last 10 minutes of locked on blazers that came out on february 14th you'll understand it tell them to listen to the show Tell them to subscribe to the show. Available wherever you get podcasts. Free on all platforms. Everywhere you get podcasts as well as YouTube. Come back next week. We'll talk about uh, what the Blazers are going to do going forward. We'll talk about uh, the game they play against the Milwaukee Bucks on Monday. We'll hopefully have some fun guests next week as we enter the uh, All-Star break. It's a lot of fun. The Blazers have been fun. This new version of the Blazers is fun. um, And the future of the Blazers is uncertain and fascinating. So let's work through it together. Listen to Lockdown Blazers. Tell your pals to do the same. Appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon.